0: And this morning in my meditation, I contemplated a quote by Herman Hessen. He said, we must become so alone, so utterly alone that we withdraw into our own innermost self. It is a way of bitter suffering, but then our solitude is overcome. We're no longer alone for we find that our innermost self is is the spirit, that it is God, the indivisible. And suddenly we find ourselves in the midst of the world yet undisturbed by its multiplicity and in our innermost soul, we know ourselves to be one with all being. I love this quote. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, open your mind and heart and settle into your essential wholeness and then muse with me. Let's play together in the realms of the indivisible. Let's frolic in the delight of unity, awareness, and oneness. Today we're going to explore consciousness and this spiritual experience that Hessen is talking about in this quote. How do we know ourselves to be one with all being? How do we know ourselves to be one with all life. I'm going to read the quote one more time. Listen again carefully. We must become so alone, so utterly alone that we withdraw into our innermost self. It is a way of bitter suffering, but then our solitude is overcome. We're no longer alone for we find that our innermost self is the spirit that it is God, the indivisible. And suddenly we find ourselves in the midst of the world yet undisturbed by its multiplicity. For in our innermost soul, we know ourselves to be one with all being. Some may say that this is the dark night of the soul. Others refer to the great awakening, a spiritual rebirth, a mystical experience. A religious experience, maybe you've heard of transfiguration, a oneness experience. All these terms for this process process that Hessen speaks of are different terms, but perhaps looking at the same process and all are very personal individual experiences. We must become so alone to be one with all being. What if this is a collective experience we're all having? That was a part of my contemplation this morning. As an individual, most often we wake in stages, going through the experience in layers over and over again. Do we wake only to fall back asleep? Or does the aperture of our cosmic lens continue to widen with each Spiritual experience. Most spiritual and consciousness thought leaders recognize the stage of development, and all the different layers and stages can actually coexist at once. It's as if we continue to widen that lens, moving back and forth, opening, closing, opening, closing, yet wider and wider until we can't close it anymore. That's what knowing ourselves to be one with all beings is about. The new energies on the planet are helping us. As a collective, the consciousness lens is widening on its own with the impulse of evolution. And we're grounding the truth of who we really are. We are one with all being, one with all life. We simply didn't see ourselves as such. We couldn't see ourselves as such in the earlier stages of consciousness. We believed we were separate. So isn't this a delightful idea? We're growing and evolving as a species. And actually, I should probably say we're growing and evolving as one planetary body. And we're growing and evolving as one cosmic body. So here we are, one with all being? How do we enjoy the new capacities that come with the stage of our development? How do we live the indivisible, know the self, the true self in unity and be one? Well, understanding consciousness and the spiritual experience is a good place to start. And then let's add in a few twists. For example, most of you listening are probably very aware of unity consciousness, oneness. We talk about it on this show all the time, that we live in a cosmic hologram like my friend Jude Caravan writes. We don't have consciousness. We are consciousness. In saying that, many lightworkers on the planet feel an urgency to do what they can to assist in the great turning. That's another term Joanna Macy writes about, the great turning. This is where we're at on the planet. Yet most lightworkers in the urgency of the predicament we find ourselves in refer to numbers of critical mass or for critical mass that we must get to a certain amount of awakened people to raise our collective consciousness and save the planet. But here's a twist. What if you don't have to work to raise other people's awareness, to wake them up, to raise their consciousness? What if all the work is within you? I'm going to say much more about this later, but I want to share a story first. I was having dinner with my daughter and son-in-law a couple days ago. My son-in-law started talking about the world's problems from climate disasters, to racial injustice, to a global pandemic. We were sitting in the middle of the city with so much going on around us, and he was listing issue after issue. He said, we're on the brink of mass destruction, mass extinction, the precipice of a downward spiral. He was holding his hands up like a roller coaster going, here we are, Mama Carl, here we are, Mama Carl, and we're ready to go down. And it was doom and gloom. I, I could feel his angst and his fear. He was echoing the sentiments of so many. And he was concerned about the world that his two-year-old daughter would live in. I'm sure you've heard this version of what in the world is going on as we look around in the news and, and see catastrophe after catastrophe. So I, I began really contemplating his question and his words. I took it in. I sat with it in stillness. I sat with it in meditation. I invited it into my stream time and I began really listening. That day, as we were having dinner, I began talking to him about the world we created in the consciousness of separation, that in this stage of development, where we woke up to ourselves as unique, individually gifted humans with different personalities, different strengths, different beliefs, we believed we were separate. We believed we were separate from one another, separate from the planet, separate from the plants and animals, separate from nature, and separate from a God creator source. This was separation consciousness, a stage of development that we went through as we forgot our inherent unity, our innate wholeness. In this stage, we created a world built in this consciousness of separation. Everything from education to healthcare to economics, everything has reflected separation. This resulted in the industrial growth society, intense competition, overconsumption, survival of the fittest, economic and racial injustices, all the major problems my son-in-law was talking about, we created in a pathological way as a result of seeing ourselves as separate. If we continued moving down that rabbit hole, we definitely would be on that precipice of mass destruction and mass extinction. Many of the scientists are telling us that. Yet we have so much evidence of all of this change already. And we can look at it from the lens of separation and see complete annihilation, or we can shift our lens. We can go back to the Hessen quote and see ourselves as one with all beings and see what does the world look like from that place. So as I've been contemplating this conversation with my son-in-law i also remember my daughter saying mom you need to teach this mom you need to teach this mom please teach some of these things and so here's the show i've been thinking a lot about it i've been asking myself how can we teach this in a way that our ears can hear it how can we teach it and just look at what's next for us? How do we, how do we move from this place? And, and I'm, I just want to drop this in right here because I think it's an important piece that what we know from science and psychology is that when we get stressed or fearful, Our whole awareness constricts, our muscles constrict, our ability to respond and think outside of the box is severely limited if not taken away. And so trying to problem solve on the planet from a place of fear or anxiety does not serve us well. So let's look at this from a different perspective. What if this crisis is our birth, like Barbara Marx Hubbard always used to say. What if this destruction is an evolutionary driver? What if the extinction of precious species on our planet is a literal wake-up call? It's the impulse of evolution shaking our sleepy consciousness. It's the immune response of our planetary body zapping us out of our lethargic state these breakdowns are leading to breakthroughs and we're building a new world that is in alignment with who we really are. The new world is already here. Most just don't see it yet because to become so alone that we realize we're one with all beings. Not everyone has had that experience yet. So those who have not yet had that experience may not even understand what I'm talking about right now. And it's not a judgment because as you see where I'm going to go with this conversation, it's not a judgment of those who have and those who have not. It's not a, a spiritual hierarchy or a value. This is who we are as a species waking up to itself. This is who we are as one planetary body, waking. So back to my son-in-law, when I began to talk about consciousness and our collective spiritual awakening, he said, but mom, we have way too far to go. Most of the world is operating in the old way. Most of the population still lives in separation. How are we going to get from here to there? It seems so monumental. So here's where the twist comes in. Let's muse and think of this differently. Here's a quote from Barbara Mark Hubbard. <clears throat> there has always been a longing in the human heart for a more just, free loving and creative society but it was never before possible to fulfill these aspirations because we had neither the evolutionary drivers and global crises to force us to change nor did we have the scientific and technological powers that can free us from the limitations of scarcity poverty disease and ignorance this is the time of awakening for the social potential movement. Isn't that encouraging? I love this because it's going to bring us into what I want to teach about today. I want to give you 12 traits of a superorganism. So this just, free, loving, and creative society will only be possible when we see ourselves as one, as an indivisible living organism, as one planetary body. And the evolutionary drivers in global crises are waking us to this reality. Now, with the new science and our technological powers, we have the capacity to function in this way, to function as one planetary body, one planetary superorganism, and understanding how a superorganism works and functions gives us key skills and a pathway through this global crisis. So superorganism, what is that, you might ask? Let me read you a brief definition. Superorganism is a form of life composed of mutually interdependent parts that maintain various vital processes. Any complex thing or system having properties and functions determined not only by the priorities and relations of its individual parts, but by the character of the whole that they compose and by the relations of the parts to the whole. I love this because now we can take superorganism out of a natural species and apply it to some of our systems and structures. But you've probably heard of superorganism. Ants are superorganisms, bees are superorganisms. A lot of time we hear about fungi. Um, that's a, a, a really fascinating example of how a system can operate and, and really be healthy as a superorganism. So even an entire forest. Where plants talk to each other using an Internet of fungus, the mycelial network. There are many examples of how superorganisms just like this for us. I like to use forest because we can see how different species even work together as a whole, like that definition talked about. It's like when we understand our relationship to the whole and that this is really um, the character of the whole that helps us compose our relationship to each other as parts and to the whole as a whole. It's like this recipe, this um, roadmap for how we as individuals can foster our innate capacity to live for the good of the whole. So in a healthy forest, for instance, each tree is connected to others via this network, enabling trees to share water and nutrients. Have you ever heard that before? Trees actually have the capacity to share water and nutrients. So for saplings growing in a particularly shaded area where there's not enough sunlight reaching their leaves to perform adequate photosynthesis, they need to rely on the older trees. So for survival the saplings then rely on nutrients and sugars from older, taller trees sent through the mycelial network. (laughs) Pretty cool, huh? Look that up. Uh, There's so much out there about the mycelial network and I like to call it that we are now working on our mycelial network. Our mycelial network. We are so connected there's no separation. So. Like I mentioned, we can learn much from these superorganisms. Here are a few traits that are worth mentioning. There's going to be 12 here, and I'm going to go into them a little bit later, but I want to just read these to you right now. Superorganisms embody and express inherent unity, inherent wholeness. They practice distributed leadership distributive leadership. Listen to that. Use your imagination. They serve a shared evolutionary purpose and work together with whole systems, harmony and resonance. They live in a state of coherence and rely on collective intelligence. They also use swarm creativity to perpetuate healthy life for future generations. They self-organize and provide mutual support and mutual aid. They live on the evolutionary creative edge and develop reciprocity and sharing while they invest in regenerative value. I'm going to pick apart all of those things a little bit and go back to them after our break. But first, I want to go back to that urgency back to the struggle and the hopelessness, back to the idea that we have to hurry up and wake up the rest of humanity, that same angst that my son-in-law was feeling at the dinner table when he was thinking about his daughter's future. The invitation is to shift your perspective and trust the designing intelligence, the life force within our one planetary superorganism. The invitation is to wake to your fullest capacity and literally be an awakened individual cell in the one planetary body. The same impulse of evolution that has brought you into your oneness of all being into this moment, listening to this right here, right now, that same impulse of evolution is pulsing through the rest of creation at the same time. So be that impulse. Magnify it. Amplify it. Be that intelligence. Live that reality into being. And yet trust that that impulse that's moving you is also moving the rest of creation. It's pulsing through the trees. It's pulsing through that mycelial network. It's pulsing within the collective intelligence. We're gonna talk about that. You can begin by practicing these 12 traits that I've mentioned. As you live in the indivisibility of oneness, as you raise your vibrational frequency and stabilize this unitive consciousness, as you trust this impulse that is moving through our human mysolial network, you create a transhuman, I'm going to say that again, transhuman neural pathway for the superorganism. You develop the communication superhighway for us. It's another form of the internet as we think of mycelial network being an internet for all these beautiful plants and trees in the forest. We're also creating the transhuman neural pathways for the superorganism. You are cooperating with the consciousness that is informing all life. Isn't that cool? You become one with all life by Fully being this, just being you. You don't have to go out, run on the streets, hold signs up on the corner. You don't have to go into panic and, and, and fear and angst. You can relax into this evolutionary process and begin practicing what this means to be a cell in the body of this one planetary body to be an individual human within a planetary superorganism. It's like, and I'm going to say one more thing before break, and then we're going to pick this back up. But it's like our bodies, you know, our bodies are a superorganism. There are all kinds of different cells. There's different bacteria. There's all kinds of different things going on inside our bodies all the time. And the heart does what it does best as a heart. The liver does what it does best as a liver. Everything works together for the good of the whole. And even the bacteria and viruses that are on our body and in our body are working for the good of the whole. Our body knows what to do. Our body responds. And just like that intelligence inside our body, we don't have to tell our body what to happen when it's invaded by a negative virus and we get ill. We don't have to tell our body what to do to heal a broken bone or a fracture. We don't have to tell our body what to do if we fall and skin our knee. It knows what to do. That intelligence is the same intelligence that I'm talking about. animating this one planetary superorganism so we're going to say so much more about that right after break so here we are i'm dr julie Krull. you're listening to the dr julie show all things connected when we come back more on this invitation just for you we'll be right back stripes, socks, junk over sandals, and if you've tucked in your shirt, wear a belt. Got it? Why are your pants on your head? Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2 2 xorg That's 2 2 xorg A message from the Partnership for Healthy Miles, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Did you know that 7 in 10 girls believe they are not good enough or don't measure up in some way? I'm Amy Poehler. You may know me from film and television, but I'm also involved off-screen, encouraging young girls to be proud of who they are. Body image breakdowns and the pressure to be perfect often causes a girl's self-esteem to plummet. But by being positive role models, we can change that. The number one wish among girls is for their parents to communicate better with them, including more frequent and more open conversations. So get involved and start talking. Begin a conversation with a girl in your life about the importance of self-esteem. Tell her why she is beautiful and set an example by avoiding negative self-talk. You can make a difference in the lives of girls, and that is no laughing matter. This message was brought to you by American Women in Radio and Television and was made possible through the generous support of the Dove Self-Esteem Fund. Working together to raise self-esteem in girls everywhere. To learn more, go to CampaignForRealBeauty.com. Thank you for making a difference. So you see, son, good manners are important. Should I go through it again? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors, open Don't speak with your mouthful, keep your elbows off the table. Share your things, play nice and generally, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and it could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain visit 2min2x.org to find out more a message from the partnership for healthy mouths healthy lives and the Ag Council now back to the Dr. Julie show all things connected on Empower Radio welcome back hey if you're inspired by our conversation today I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again you can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archived links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. And on the leading edge of personal, social, and global transformation, I invite you to be a wayshower, a change agent, and make connections that inspire and accelerate our collective awakening and planetary healing. Stay connected. Every week, every week. With my newsletter, where you'll find meaningful content, opportunities, and inspiration. So sign up at juliecrawlemail.com. Again, that's juliecrawlemail.com. I love to hear from you. I love your feedback on shows, your feedback on guests. I love when you give me feedback on the newsletter. Stay in touch. We are all in this together, and this is a part of that neuro, that transhuman neuro pathways that I'm talking about. We need to learn these things. We need to really communicate well what's going on in the world and our understanding of it. I'm going to talk more about that because we're going to dig into the traits in a little more detail here so that you can really kind of embody them and and feel that. We were talking before the break about becoming a planetary superorganism. I started off with the Herman Hessen quote, by the way. I don't know if you know this, but I've said Herman Hess or Hesse all my life. Like I've never looked up how do you pronounce Herman Hesse's last name? And it's pronounced Hessen with sounds like an N, but there's no N there. So we were talking about that quote by Herman Hessen, where how we must become so alone to be one with all being and in this spiritual place. It's so cool that our spiritual path right now is moving us from the individual experience of this into the collective. So hopefully you're following along and you're intrigued by imagining us working together right here, right now to co-create this one planetary superorganism. i'm going to share a little bit later a quote but I, I want to talk to you even as we look at evolution biology what we know to be true is as, as we move from our adolescence into early adulthood as a species that we move from this place of consumption and competition and and greed and hoarding and and all of these things that have led us to where we're at now we we outgrow that stage and we move into a stage where we create cooperative communities that care for all life isn't that nice cooperative communities that care for all life so to me A superorganism is a perfect model of this. And what have we learned from superorganisms? So I want to say more about each of those traits that I talked about earlier and just kind of muse into that and play with that with you so that you can think about yourself in a whole new way, whole new way. So the first one is that superorganisms embody and express inherent unity, their inherent wholeness. So this is the work that Hessen mentions above where science and ancient spiritual wisdom converge because this is more than just meditation or this experience of unity. Like we have these wake up experiences or we create bliss and oneness in meditation. This is more than just experiencing wholeness and oneness and then going about life. In our regular consciousness, it's allowing those experiences to wake us to the inherent unity, to the inherent wholeness. That not only are we whole as a being, but that we are a member of this greater unified field. So, instead of just experiencing unity, experiencing bliss and meditation, now is our invitation to really embody it and express it in everything we do throughout life. How can we embody this unity and express it? So think about that. Okay, number two is to practice distributive leadership. Superorganisms do this. And we're developing more and more evolved leadership models all the time. Actually, it's exciting. If you Google that, I imagine you'll see all kinds of different leadership models emerging in different domains. There are circle leadership models. There's team leadership models. There's all kinds of new um, holocratic – I can't – there's, there's tons. Distributive leadership. The pandemic has given us a booster shot for this, actually. We're learning how to do what is ours to do and let go of what isn't ours to do. I know my daughter works for a very large corporation with several hundred people, and they're distributed around the world, and they have seven main hubs or offices, and yet they've all been working from home. So they themselves are beginning to perfect this distributive leadership model because we can't do everything. So when we learn how to work together and create teams and, and really hone in on what is ours to do, even in the urgency to wake up the planet, we only have to do what is ours to do. We don't have to do someone else's job someone else's role, someone else's passion. So we need distributive leadership when we're moving toward this global world, this global economy, this global culture. Everything is moving toward global, unified. So think of the organs and the systems in our body like I mentioned. The heart does the heart, the liver does the liver, and everyone knows their part. They do what they do best. The immune system does the immune system when it's called on. So, number three, the third trait. Superorganisms serve a shared evolutionary purpose. Our shared evolutionary purpose. It's to develop our innate capacity to live for the good of the whole. It's to serve this wholeness, whole systems, health, and develop a whole worldview. This is conscious evolution. We are creating cooperative communities that care for all life and future generations. We're moving out of that old model, that old paradigm And with this shared evolutionary purpose, we can see the pathway, but we have to be creative. And that's why we're sharing these traits with you today, because it gives you a pathway, gives you a prescription. And it's a prescriptive that is healing as well. We're healing division. We're healing the wounds of separation. Okay. Number four, superorganisms work together with whole systems, harmony and resonance. We can do this when we learn to live from the heart. We learn to trust heart intelligence and access heart wisdom. The heart is a really important piece of learning to work together with whole systems, harmony and resonance. We have to access the heart. Many organizations are developing resonance tools. HeartMath is leading the way with research. They're amazing. They're also teaching what the next one is, is is how to live in a state of coherence. But this heart is the key to helping us shift. We no longer live in the mind really um, cognitively dominant. When we learn how to balance the heart, um, we also, because we have to learn even that our relationship with time is shifting and there is no past, present, and future. There's a lot of things like this that only the heart intelligence can bring us. The heart intelligence brings us greater intuition, greater creativity. Uh, there's just so much that heart math is teaching us about these superpowers in the heart. And so it's, it's an important piece. Go explore that. Heart math, just like math, addition, subtraction, division, math, Heart Math Institute. Go check out their research. So, the next one that I mentioned, superorganisms live in a state of coherence. By understanding the role and the power of the heart, we're able to establish a state of coherence for ourselves, heart brain coherence. And when we understand that and begin to practice our own heart-brain coherence, we begin to establish a state of coherence with others. Many, 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 many organizations are now developing practices to create coherence within groups and communities. This is a key to implementing our transhuman superpowers here. This is a key. These last two, remember them. What does it mean to create whole systems, harmony and resonance by harnessing our heart intelligence, our heart wisdom, and then developing coherence, the state of coherence. Coherence is when everything coheres, aligns. And it's just like if you think of an incandescent light, light beams are bouncing all over of everything but if you think of a laser beam it's all in alignment they all cohere and shine just in one line that we can literally see a line of light through the room because the light beams are cohering so as we begin to learn coherence we we innately advance these trans human transpersonal superpowers that i'm talking about okay Number six, superorganisms rely on collective intelligence. We no longer rely on information and intelligence that comes through a myopic lens, one person. The collective intelligence is a, is a global how-to manual, a superorganism treasure map, if you would say. So when all the parts of the whole are communicating, we're able to tap into the highest wisdom. So all the parts communicate to the whole, and the whole communicates to all the parts. That's what's happening instantaneously in superorganisms. And actually, only some parts communicate what they need and don't communicate to other parts that don't need to know it. But that innate intelligence, that collective intelligence, is circulating in that whole unified field. So we become one by relying on collective intelligence. And number seven, this one's exciting. Superorganisms use swarm creativity. Have you ever heard of that term before? Swarm creativity. This is a fun one. When, when part of a system is broken, It's much more effective to have the entire system involved in problem solving. And swarm creativity brings together a plethora of voices and genius. It's like those who have an expertise on a certain problem swarm in and everyone's creativity working together helps us evolve our solutions to the next highest level. Swarm creativity is a fascinating process where it's not just let's come into a rethink tank and reimagine something as a closed system we literally open the system up and let it breathe and amazing things transpire it's a, it's amazing okay and number 8 superorganisms perpetuate healthy life for future generations. This is an important one because we've been through a phase on this planet, an epoch of thinking of ourselves and looking at survival and what do I need? And as we move forward, it's time to perpetuate health and healthy life for all future generations, for all life actually, for the planet, for the animals, for the plants for all of the species. So we move beyond the now and survival toward thinking about seven generations forward. We've heard that in indigenous cultures all along. How does this action affect seven generations to come? How do we transform all of our systems for whole systems health? Every system so that it serves not every person, not just every person, but all life on our planet. That's a different way of thinking. In our communities, we usually think about our communities. In our families, we used to usually think about our families. This is inviting us to think about all life. And number nine, superorganisms self-organize and provide mutual support and mutual aid. Here we are. Look around. We stay home. And take care of our families and neighbors and not in a selfish or self-serving way, but for the good of the whole. We respond when we see a need in our community or a need in our families. This is what we're being called to do. We don't have to run around the world and take care of a crisis that we have little or no experience with. We get to stay in our communities and look around to provide mutual support and mutual aid as it evolves right in front of us. So if I'm a heart cell, this means I naturally look toward other heart cells as well. So I begin to help others with my area of expertise and we help each other. Cool. Okay, superorganisms live on the evolutionary creative edge. This is a fun one too. All evolution happens on the edges. So we don't have to try to get the social body to move and adapt at the center. Often we think that. It's like there's this nucleus, and if we could change the center, we'll ripple out all the change. But that's not how superorganisms work. We simply continue at the grassroots and at that evolutionary edge and work on that edge, and things begin to ripple inward. Cool, huh? Okay, I don't want to run out of time. I want to get through these. Superorganisms develop. Reciprocity and sharing. So this speaks to evolving our economies and our commerce. When we come from reciprocity and sharing, everyone is taken care of. When I think only of myself and my well-being, I actually kink the garden hose, so to speak. So this is an important one. You have to learn reciprocity and sharing. Okay, number 12. Superorganisms invest in regenerative value think energetically here regenerative agriculture regenerative commerce regenerative health regenerative everything regenerative regenerative soil think of all of life what would it look like if we literally invested in regenerative value when we look for regenerative value we're following the natural laws of nature and caring for all life it's an easy easy solution okay Going back to evolution biologist or evolution biology I mentioned earlier, evolution biologist Elizabeth Satoris says, we are at an evolutionary precipice. She studied many different species at this evolutionary stage. I've done a a couple shows with her, um, oh, maybe probably a dozen Shows ago. You can go look up my shows with Elizabeth and hear her wisdom. It's amazing. But we're moving from late adolescence to early adulthood. We're moving from this phase of overconsumption to cooperation. All species who have evolved to this stage create cooperative communities that care for all life and future generations. This is our time. We're creating our capacity to cooperate. We're creating our capacity to care for all life, for all plants, all animals, our beautiful planet, and all her inhabitants. We are waking to our global oneness and learning how to function as one planetary body, the superorganism. So back to my son-in-law, his angst and fear, back to that urgency, the belief that we have way too far to go. That most of the world is operating in the old way. Most of the population still lives in separation. How are we going to get from here to here when it seems so monumental? Those are his questions. We are evolving our awareness, evolving our consciousness, and seeing that we truly are this planetary organism. As we become aware of this indivisibility, as we become aware of this evolutionary process and choose to consciously evolve, we're leaping forward into our new capacities and our innate capacities. We're developing our ability to tap into collective intelligence. We're learning ways, new ways, to work in distributed leadership models. We're using swarm creativity to solve our toughest, biggest problems. We're self-organizing and providing mutual support and aid for one another. We are developing reciprocity and sharing. And we're investing in regenerative value. Think about it. We are creating cooperative communities that care for all life and future generations. Look around. Look around you. Look around the planet. For those who cannot or will not make the shift, the world as we knew it is disappearing. It's no longer sustainable or functional. There's no choice but to make the shift consciously. But for those who are seeing their world disappear, it looks pretty fatalistic. Yet, we know who we are. The truth of our innate wholeness, the reality of our inherent unity is right here before us. And we are not going back. We're not going backwards. We're not going back to the way life used to be. We're not going back to a world pre-COVID We're not going back to a world pre the golden years of the 1950s. It's like we're not going back, friends. We're not not going back. There's nothing to go back to. Yes, the world as we knew it is in a process of destruction. But we don't have to be afraid. As we co-create a world that represents the truth of who we are, All of this will make more sense in the days and months and years ahead. The new earth is emerging. The new way of being as a planetary organism, as one planetary body, it's it's emerging every day. And you can look at most of our spiritual traditions and see that message As we transfigure into a planetary superorganism, as we transmute from an over-consuming caterpillar to a cosmic butterfly, we are becoming one with all life. So that goes back to that quote. That goes back to that, I love just that, that distillation of that quote that we must become so alone to be one with all being. I wonder, this quote's kind of old, do we still need to go through a long dark night of the soul to get there? Do we have to continue to play with that aperture, that lens, so that we open, close, open, close, that lens of consciousness where the aperture opens wider, and then we're playing with it, I don't know if we have to go through the dark night, but I do think perhaps we are going through our collective dark night of the soul and that collective aperture. We're going to literally ground this new wisdom, these innate capacities together. We're going to share this. We can do this. We've got it. We've got what it takes. We know what we need to do. And if you think I'm just Pollyanna-ish today, if that idea of your innate capacity to live for the good of the whole, if that resonates with you, if you go, yeah, I get that, then that's the invitation. It's the doors open. Here we are. It's not Pollyanna-ish. So going back to that urgency, going back to my son-in-law – We don't have to rush and worry and stress and say, oh my gosh, how can we move mountains if we have faith as a grain of mustard seed? We can do this. We can do this. And those of you listening, thank you for listening this entire show. Thank you for still hanging in there. If you are listening, thank you for being part of the solution for birthing this superorganism. So, I want to leave you with the words of Barbara Mark Hubbard. Our crisis is a birth. We are one living system and we have come to the limit of one phase of natural growth on a finite planet. We must learn ethical evolution quickly. As we seek to facilitate a gentle birth, a graceful, and nonviolent transition to the next stage of our evolution, we will discover a natural pattern, a design of our birth transition, and develop a plan to cooperate with this design. You've been listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together, we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.